What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to do our weekly crossover with Javier Ritz of Lockdown Padres. And of course, we're doing another draft, drafting the best MLB trade trade deadline deals based off the impact they're going to have the rest of the season. Discussing all that on today's Locked on Diamondbacks crossover. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks. You can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. But now, without further ado, to discuss the best trade deadline deals from 2023, we got to bring on the man of the hour, Javier Reyes of Lock on Padre. Sir, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty good, man. I've got my my little, uh, just it's a little chilly in my recording room that I, you know, oh. record my show. So oh. a little chilly. So I've got like a little, you know, uh, blanket over me and whatnot, if people are wondering. But otherwise, um, doing good, man. Uh, doing pretty good. Hanging in there. Trying to stay focused. Mm. We're at that weird post-deadline uh, I don't know about you, but you get into that feeling of like, all right, let's just cut to the chase. Who are the playoff teams going to be? Start losing a little focus. August is one of my least favorite months, if not the least favorite month of mine. But, you know, you got to persevere, man. J- just like in baseball, you-, you know, no matter what time it is, still got to it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So yeah. just got to keep going. It's a 162 game slog and your team quietly only a few games back, four games back. This trade deadline made some moves. I mean. I don't know how you felt. Were you surprised at all? Because personally, I mean, I was I, I don't check the standings every day for where the Padres are. So I was like, oh, the Padres. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that A.J. Preller is getting yeah. a little aggressive at the deadline. But I was like, oh, Padres, they are committed to not being sellers. They're going to keep the haters and Blake Snell's actually add to this team. I was a little taken aback just because I didn't think the Padres were going to be buyers at the deadline, I guess, even though I should have maybe expected that. Yeah, and I talked about this on on my show as well, where I actually think that they had a really solid deadline because, well, yeah, they were buyers. They weren't like crazy, super aggressive, like especially with what we're used to. Yeah, And I think that's, I was surprised by how much they did basically exactly what I wanted. Shirt up the bench, got an okay reliever, didn't give up too many crazy prospects, just kind of called it a day. Whether or not you think they should have traded Hader and Snell is, I think, a separate discussion um, to a degree, but... Hey, I thought that they did, they did uh, pretty good. And maybe I'll be uh, bringing up some of the moves that they made uh, in this little draft of ours, man. I'm excited. Yeah, because they just kind of cleaned up on the edges. There was no Juan Soto level deal this year for the Padres, but they were still able to clean up on the edges a little bit. And yeah, maybe we'll draft one of those trades that the Padres made because, of course, today we're doing another draft as we do every week. We're going to draft the deals that we think will have the biggest impact or the deals that we think were the most fun because i definitely have a couple of trades that were fun at the top of my list and we're going to be going back and forth as always i don't think we're doing a snake draft here today so no double picks at the turn and as always javi i came prepared today i got the quarter for the list he's got the corner already in hand he's already got it here we go here we go let's make sure i don't drop it let's make oh caught it at the look how i caught that thing yeah that was good that was good Okay, what is that? That's tails right there for the fans. Only issue, okay, your tails because I guess I. I, mean, I, I didn't in fairness, ask. I've always picked tails. Yeah, I know you did. It's but in fairness, I do always pick tails. That has uh, always been my thing. Maybe but, I want a tail. And I, yeah, <laughs> maybe you want the tails today. 
Okay. You've been getting the first pick for last the last like five drafts we've done, and it wasn't rigged at all. I promise y'all. I re- I really flipped it and did that with full integrity in the past. But all right, Javi, how are you gonna start us off in this draft to trade the uh, to draft the best trade deadline deals from this year? Um, it's funny because I actually think that there are criticisms with this move. Um, it is it's it's the obvious one to go with for first overall. It's the most impactful like player in a vacuum. But I, I just. You know, it's not foolproof uh, for a first overall pick, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think that it's the thing that everyone's going to be talking about. Like you said, there was no Juan Soto deals this year, mm. but um, I'm going to go with Justin Verlander. Mm. The Astros acquiring Justin Verlander from the Mets. Uh, it sounded like it was likely. It became even more likely the more that the Mets started selling off, you know, with the David Robertson deal and Max Scherzer, of course, which you might talk about as well. Um, and he's been pretty okay this year 3.15 era 3.81 fip he's been pretty good uh not striking out as many batters as usual but and this is more of a move to just sure up that astros team and personally i find it a little bit adorable that we all do our best to pretend that the astros aren't just going to go to the world series again for, yeah. <laughs> for like the ninth year in a row we do this every year we're like it's kind of like what people used to bet against the patriots you know what i mean it'd just be like guys the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they'll win, but they'll go to the Super Bowl. Like, let's, it's not that deep. Oh, the Orioles and the, Ri- no, no, it's just going to be the Astros again. That's what always seems to happen. And this trade felt like that. It felt like impending the doom. We can't escape it. Uh, so I'm going to go with that deal. And I also thought that like the Mets made out pretty good on this deal. Everybody's been saying they're, they're buying a farm system. Hey, there's worse sure. things you can do. Uh, so at least they're kind of recognizing their losses and starting to, regroup and i know that it stinks i'm sad for mets fans very much but that's why i'm taking it because i think it's big for the astros uh particularly in the regular season justin verlander low-key not always the best numbers in the postseason as a Mm. low-key low-key not the best there but in terms of just helping them win that al west uh and just being giving them another pitcher i think it was great for them it's the biggest move yeah, especially if you look at Justin Verlander's uh, World Series splits, that's where it gets really hairy for Justin Verlander in that uh, yeah. final series of the postseason. But yeah, in terms of in a vacuum, which player, who's the most talented, who's the biggest name that got moved at this deadline, I do think Justin Verlander, that trade to the Astros, the reunited, like why did he even have to leave if you were just going to bring him back? Like you should have just paid him Houston Astros. And now you got to give up a top prospect as well. And for the Mets, I mean, I like what they're doing because it's not like this is some small market team that doesn't want to spend money like they're going to trade these players away and then they're going to go into the offseason and probably spend another half billion dollars on some new players like i don't even know when you have steven cohen you're not afraid to open up the wallet so i'm not upset at the mess for trading off some pending free agents or trading off some really old expensive contracts in order to go free up some money to go spend it again next offseason so i think it's pretty smart for um the new york mets but yeah i'm glad what are you going to say? I was just going to say, and to, to back up your thing on Verlander in the World Series, I did not realize how bad it was. Yeah. World, the first World Series he was in was 06, 5.73 ERA. The next one that he was in, which was 2012, 11.25 ERA. The next one after that was 2017, 3.75. So he was good that year with Houston. And then the next one uh, in 2019, 5.73. And then last year, 5.4. So like, it's bad. It's it's yeah. worth it's worth bringing up when you do your hierarchy of all time pitchers. Uh, in terms of like, if does it exclude him from Hall of Fame? Obviously not. But yeah. in terms of like hierarchy and who do you want to take, who do you want on the mound, those type of discussions that we don't always have in baseball. Yeah, that affects him a lot. But go ahead, man. Make your pick. 
And and tell me why my pick is terrible with this next one you're going to do. Because you, you always do that. To. You know I have to, Javi, <laughs> because I agree. In a vacuum, like I just said, biggest impact player on the market was a Justin Verlander. He was moved, or at least the guy that was the biggest impact that was moved was Justin Verlander. But mm. the trade that happened that will not only affect the rest of this season, but could change baseball history, Javier Reyes. Because at first, when I was doing my rankings, I did put the Justin Verlander move number one. But then I had to double check. I was like, oh, my God. There was a trade that happened just a few days before the deadline, July 26th, that shook the earth just a little bit. That's actually could change the way we view baseball history going forward. Could be the biggest pivot point we've ever seen because the LA Angels said, we're keeping Shohei Otani and we're going to double down on this season. And they went out and they got Lucas Giolito. Now that's not just huge for this season because the they're still kind of in the wild card mix. Maybe they make the postseason, but this is an all in play to keep the greatest player of all time. So if this move does work out, the Angels make the postseason. Maybe they only make it to the divisional series or maybe they get swept in the championship series but if you at least put a good foot forward so you show Shohei Otani you're trying to build a winning product you hit the offseason you offer him 600 million dollars this could be the move that at least helps put you in the right direction in terms of contract talks with a Shohei Otani so if the Angels re-sign him this offseason, you could look at a move like this, the Angels deciding not to trade away Otani, but instead doubling down on this season. If you end up keeping the greatest baseball player of all time, how can this move not be considered number one in this draft that we're doing right now, Javier Reyes? I mean, honestly, that was, first of all, an incredible spin zone by you, as always. <laughs> you. As always. Uh, but I, I actually, I think you made some great points. On top of the Giolito thing, the changing baseball history, like – not too long ago everyone was expecting the angels to sell and they in my opinion they should have but like i'm also totally on board with them saying you know what we have otani let's try um and you're right like if they had traded him to a team like that team potentially with a player like him the best rental ever right like in the history of the sport that we basically ever had because of i mean he's showing otani um so that might have like affected whoever got him and it also is going to affect the angels in terms of their future and are they still going to lose him, right? Will he leave anyway? So I think you're right. I think that's a – I'm still confident in Verlander as my pick, but yeah, I think that you – for all the reasons you mentioned, I think that that's a really great point for not just for them acquiring Giolito, but for everybody else not acquiring Otani, I think is a really a great point. Yeah, it's a trade people are going to analyze once they get that 2020 hindsight because they're going to be like, okay, you made the playoffs and then you re-signed Otani. It's the greatest (laughs) trade ever. But if you do the trade, you miss the playoffs and then Otani leaves, you're going to be like, all-time disaster by the Angels. Fire everyone in the front office. They have no idea what they're doing. So once we see the results post-free agency with Otani, then that will really let us know um, how good this trade actually was. But Javier Reyes, back to you. Number two pick for you in this draft. Oof, this is fun. Uh, this is fun. I think that for my next pick, I'm going to go with because uh, I I kind of want to take a meme. I'm okay. tempted. I'm tempted well, to take a meme. I'm not well. going to do it with my second pick though. I'm going to do it with my third pick. I think my second pick. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a a move that might not end up mattering. Um, I'm looking at it more in a vacuum and just looking at what the team needed and the fact that they had one of the worst qualified players in the game. Um, at their position, and that's the Marlins acquiring Josh Bell, okay. uh, former Padre, of course, as people know, and they also trade away Gene Segura, who they then the Cleveland Guardians then dropped uh, into into waivers. Uh, this is 
this is partially about Josh Bell. He is a player that, if you look at his savant, suggests that he's been getting a little bit unlucky this year. I don't know how to feel about that because he was also bad with the Padres. So it's kind of hard to be like, maybe this is just who he is. But like Gene Segura, man, negative 0.3 F4 this year, 95 WRC plus. He's not very good at third base. He doesn't have the speed. And you replace that with Josh Bell, who at least has some upside. I like it for them um, because they got rid of Segura and they acquired Josh Bell. Um, I think it would be really cool. Um, Forget my team for a second. I think it'd be fun. If the Marlins did well, uh, I like that team. I like Arise. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that's a really solid move that boosted them a little bit without giving up too much, uh, in my opinion. And I know that they made some other moves at the deadline, but I thought they they did OK with this one. Josh Bell just completely cratered after getting fall. He got yeah. the Padres stink on him, man. <laughs> he got the Padres stink on him. And we don't know if he's ever coming back. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't mind this move at all by the Marlins. I think I might have liked the trade that they made for another position play a little bit more. But Josh Bell, I mean, for his career, like he's kind of been up and down, but he's shown you some really high highs throughout his career. He's been an all-star. Granted, it was 2019, but he's a guy you look at some of his home run totals, 26, 37, 27. And the Marlins are a team that we've said coming into this year where they're going to have one of the best rotations in baseball. The only issue, can they get enough offense? Well, they traded for a guy that, you know, Three months into the season, four months in, is still batting like 390 on the year. And a Luis Arise. They have, if Josh Chisholm can ever stay healthy, they have at least two really solid players. They got some other dudes as well. Um, I know they just traded Garrett Cooper to the San Diego Padres. But you add a Josh Bell, you add some of those other players, and maybe you just get enough to have slightly above average league offense with the pitching staff that the Marlins already have in place. I really appreciate this move of the Marlins to go after and just get a solid major leaguer. They didn't make any big splashes on this uh, deadline, but we're going to talk about which teams won the deadline. I think the Marlins are going to be one of the teams at the top of our list for that. But before I make my pick, Javier Reyes, because we're going to continue the draft in just a second. Don't worry, I'm not coming with any harsh analysis on Javier Reyes. (laughs) I want to just tell our listeners about this little app that we use to get us through the fantasy season called Sleeper. Because Sleeper is a great app if you want to win some money or if you want to play fantasy sports or daily fantasy. Because it can do all of it for you. And right now, if you do want to do daily fantasy on Sleeper, you can win 100 times your money. Because all you have to do is pick a player or two. I like to go a little Corbin Carroll, a little Shohei Otani, and pick them to hit a home run. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, you can win big. And right now, it seems like everyone is on the Sleeper app because they have over 5 million active users. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world. And I don't just use it for daily fantasy. Best believe when fantasy football season rolls around, I'm also using my Sleeper app because my Dynasty League is on that app and it's perfect. You could do your rookie draft. They archives all your players year to year. It's really the perfect app for Dynasty and daily fantasy all combined into one. So use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now we are back here on the Locked on Dimebacks, Locked on Padres crossover. Javier Reyes just made a pick. Josh Bell to the Miami Marlins was his number three pick. Now in my number four pick, Miller Thomas back on the board. I think I'm going to have to go with another New York Mets trade, another player that they traded mm-hmm. away, the other half yeah. of that old-ass rotation, Max Scherzer. I know he's not having okay. a Max mm-hmm. Scherzer-level deal, but he 
he just this too big of a name value of all the guys that got traded like Justin Verlander. If you just yeah. have to rank in terms of mm. a casual baseball fan, I don't know who got moved. Yeah, have to rank the power uh, power rank the names. It's Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, one A one B. However you want to rank it, he's been one of the best pitchers of the generation. I don't have to go through Max Scherzer's um resume here because we all know it and this year with the Mets hasn't exactly been elite but still double digit strikeouts per nine still overall good command good control still eating innings been overall healthy this year has he been the elite Max Scherzer that we saw the last few years no but considering the Rangers with having arguably the best offense in baseball he lost Jacob deGrom but you still have Nathan Navaldi, Martin Perez John Gray you added another rotation starter that I'm not going to mention right now in case you want to draft him um draft that trade later in this draft but adding Max Scherzer to that rotation to be like I don't know he could be your number two or your number three starter maybe your number four starter with how your rotation shakes up so I love the move by the Rangers I love the Rangers getting aggressive and also who did they give up in that deal they gave up then they give up the younger brother Ronald Acuna I just thought I just thought that was a fun trade overall for the New York Mets to get back the younger brother Ronald Acuna that'll just be something fun Mets fans could convince themselves can turn into something one day and maybe it will if you could get the next Acuna star that would be a really just fun narrative and storyline to see play out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, it's also one of those trades where I do think Scherzer is it's, it finally happened. This was a worry of mine when they first signed him where I was just like, I mean, it's smart that he baked in the third year in there, but very mm-hmm. clearly like the Mets and every team around baseball would have preferred if he had done a two year deal for not as much money, right? Being paid 40 million or whatever next year. That's really rough. It's going to be a hit on salary caps and all that stuff um, and payroll and what, what teams are able to do and not do. But I also think if he figures it out for whatever reason, which I'm not expecting, I, I don't think that this is just a, he's weirdly down. I think he genuinely might have like, this might be it. He's giving up way too how many home runs. Like, he's I 40. think this is it. He's 38. He's pretty old. Yeah. It I mean, he's, pretty, yeah. Like yeah. he's a total surprise. But would it surprise either you and me if in a playoff series that he has an awesome start to add on to his legend? No. So I think that that's why you got to take this move just because of that factor, even if it's a possibility that Jordan Montgomery ends up being the actual better pitcher for them. I still think that it's a... An interesting move. It's it's interesting nonetheless. It's interesting. And a, so. yeah, and a guy like Max Scherzer, like he's a true competitor. So I think putting him in an environment with the Rangers where they're all about the postseason right now, I think it just might take his game to another level. Getting out the New York Mets, who are just kind of floundering right now, just being in that different environment, that change of scenery could help him. And aren't the Mets like paying like at least half the salaries for both Justin Verlander and Max yeah. Scherzer? Like they're putting down. It's still decent. I think they're it's paying like two thirds yeah. of it. Hey, I don't even know how it works. And only in baseball can you trade away players and still have to pay their contracts very weird who do you got next Javi I've got oh boy oh Oh. boy see I think I have to be mean I think I have to be mean because of all these times I've bit my tongue I haven't been mean to you you know I mean ladies and gentlemen I remember when this folk roasted me this this (laughs) this lad over here um I remember when this guy roasted me for taking all those guys in the Hall of Fame, or what was the draft? The the trade deadline draft when we did like the the best trades ever at the deadline, roasted me for that. Absolutely cooked me alive. Go back and look at the podcast Ooh, if you want. That was a good one. That was um, a good pod. Yeah, that was a good one. That was one of my favorites. I'm taking the Tommy Fam trade to the Diamondbacks. Oh, um, okay. to your team. I like That's right. Um, I, like I really like it. He has just been so quietly good this year, <laughs> Tommy Fam. Like this is what I think. To tie it back to my team for a second, this is what the Padres, I think, were getting or thought they were getting 
Don't get me wrong. He's not a superstar home run hitter. He's only got 10 on the year. He's still got decent slugging, 127 WRC+. plus. He's been good, and he wasn't very good the past few years. So it's just oddly hilarious that this Mets team that was underperforming in so many ways, that this guy came through in such a big way. Again, like past few seasons, 89 WRC plus last year, 102 with the Padres, 79 with the Padres the year before in the shortened uh, 2020 season. Like, just not great right and then this year bouncing back in a big way and he's always been a player that i i kind of want to see how he does in the postseason because one thing about him is that he does not chase uh this has been his calling card for a while this is why he's still in the league not necessarily because he's gonna hit you 30 home runs or steal 30 bases or even play great defense but he does not swing at garbage and i think that that is a quality bat to add to a d-back team that can um potentially make a really deep playoff run and it didn't cost them i don't think too much so i love it uh, again outside zone swing percentage i think over the past few seasons he's in that like not as good as juan soto for example and certainly not as good as an overall player as juan soto but in terms of that specific thing swing at pitches outside the zone very few players are better than that the tommy fam so i think it was a good trade for them yeah like the move a lot for the d-backs i mean i love the thomases and the jake mccarthy's of the world but they're not exactly lighting it up a guy like tommy fam lords goriel's also been struggling a little bit since his all-star appearance so tommy fam he's been crushing it from um he's been crushing both lefties and righties this year typically he's more of a lefty killer but this year he's also been doing pretty well against righties and i don't know why he's having this resurgent type of season so hopefully it's not like lightning in a bottle i know he's been performing pretty well over the last three months so hopefully he could come in and platoon like the d-backs always do with a righty on lefty matchup so hopefully he could come in platoon with the mccarthy's and the thomas's in the outfield and really be a big boost to this d-backs offense going down the stretch because their offense has been a little hit or miss over the last um, month plus but my only issue with this trade that you just drafted, Javi, it was the second best D-backs trade at the trade deadline because mm-hmm. coming up, That's I'm fair. going to take yeah, I'm gonna take the best trade that the D-backs made next in this draft. And that is the Paul Seawall trade mm-hmm. from the Seattle Mariners. Because as a D-backs fan watching this team the last few years, my biggest issue with the D-backs is they have not been able to close games. This has been arguably the worst closing situation in baseball the last yeah. few years. Mm-hmm. You look at last year, that D-backs team was solid. Mid-70s, I think they could have yeah. borderline been a wildcard team if they just had like mediocre <laughs> ninth inning stuff. Like They could have been like 84 <laughs> wins or something. Just like made me somewhat convinced. Or maybe to the 2020 season. Like This has been... The biggest issue for this team over the last few years, Mike Hazen has not been able to figure out that ninth inning role. And it's because he's put dudes in there who are just not good and who are washed. The Joaquin Sorias, the Tyler Clippers, the Hector Rondon, the Mark the Sharks, like all oh, Ian Our Kennedy. Guy. <laughs> Your yeah. guy, Mark Our the guy. Sharks. Coming off the all-star appearance, led the league in saves with the Padres, then comes to us and just absolutely <laughs> Now I don't even think he's in Major League Baseball right now. So the D-back said, screw all that. We're going to get someone who's good. Maybe he's not the best closer in baseball, but is he like the ninth best closer? Potentially. Has he been solid the last few years? For sure. Does mm-hmm. he have decent strikeout numbers and good walk rate? Yes, he does. So I think this should hopefully solidify in a, a big area of weakness for the D-backs. And because of that, I'm taking it as the best trade that the D-backs made this trade deadline. Number six overall, policy. Look, there's always some really good, exciting relievers on the market. And I love it when teams at least do that, especially when it's a big weakness of theirs. And like you said, with the D-backs, that's been their biggest weakness for a Mm -hmm. while now. I forgot. Like, yeah, yeah, it's been like, I remember the Ian Kennedy and Joaquin story. Like, they've had problems with closer. And it's it sounds crazy, but it's just like, because I think we're all used to especially if you like play fantasy baseball where we're used to teams at least having a closer 
You know what I mean? But the D-backs are one of those rare teams that just didn't have that whatsoever. And I mean, I watched some of the Mark Blanson games uh, last season, and I, I saw your tweets afterwards. Like, Corey, I think you said something like, I don't want to see Mark Blanson pitch another game. It was tough, like, bro. guys, I'm telling you, you need to follow Millard for some of these games. The way he just so politely roasts your favorite players or any player to a crisp is, is one of my favorite things ever. Uh, but I think you're right. I think that it's a better overall move. It's something that they needed more than someone like Tommy Pham. I took Tommy Pham because it's just cooler to talk about Tommy Pham, uh, a player who's made headlines for not always the best reasons. Uh, <laughs> you know, last year coming to yeah. mind with the whole you yeah. know, fantasy football beef. Um, but with Paul Seawald, yeah, unequivocally great move. I think that he's got so much nasty stuff. And to be honest with you, I'm almost I'm a little surprised that the Mariners parted with him. Because uh, he's been that good, and that's uh, they have some really talented relievers in that bullpen of theirs. So I'm actually a little bit surprised about it. So good pick, man. Yeah, and they probably got one of the better returns that I've seen on the market. A Rojas, <laughs> a Canzone, a Bliss. They might have gotten a better return than most. And uh, I think when we did that trade deadline draft um, for like the targets, when we were drafting the best trade deadline targets, I think I did have Tommy Pham as like my third overall pick or something because he was having such a good season with the New York Mets. So it's cool to see one of my top picks in that draft get sent over to the D-backs. D-backs just killing the deadline good job d-backs good job mike hazen but number seven in this draft number seven overall who's up next Whew. oh boy who's up next um the next one for me you know me i've got to go with a meme and i want to okay. go with a meme that says something about the greater baseball landscape um and something that i love ranting about you know this about me um about teams that don't try uh, teams that settle that. and then they convince their fans to just wait on the farm players. The farm players come up and are fine. Some of them great. And then they never spend when they need to. And then they sell those best players and they restart it over and over again. And I think that this is one of the symptoms uh, of this is that you also don't even try at the deadline. And for me, this team had the ability to shut me up for not spending on starting pitching in the off season. They could have had, like Michael Waka or Nate Evaldi, just bring in some experienced starter in there. They're one of the best teams in baseball this year, at least in terms of the standings. And they could have redeemed the fact that they didn't do any starting pitching. And instead, they did not. And that is the Orioles acquiring Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. My first meme pick. Look, I got love for Jack Flaherty. He's been very good before. You know, heading into 2020, he was like a top... Hey, I remember drafting him in like the second round of fantasy because he was a top level prospect. You know, the year before that, 2.75 ERA. Year before that, 3.34. Like he looked like he was one of the, the a rising ace for an organization that often gives us, you know, rising aces every now and then. And a smart organization like the Cardinals, it was like, all right, he's here. But he is so he, I think he's damaged goods at this point. And it makes me sad because I like Jack Flurry. I like watching him pitch, especially when he was, you know, in his prime, which I know that sounds funny, but he's not old. He's only 27. Um, but, you know, and, you know, to just be totally candid, like we happen to see the world, uh, myself and Jack Flaherty, politically the same way. So that's nice. <laughs> I'm just being honest, just being honest. Uh, it's not the biggest thing, but that is, you know, so I, I root for the guy. I, I root for the guy. So, you know, but unfor and also I just root for players in general that are hurt and are super, super talented. And just seem to lose it because of injury. And I think that's what happened with Jack Flaherty. And for the Orioles, who are also a team not exactly known for developing starting pitching, Millard. I don't know if you knew this. 
They're not the best at developing starting pitching, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, go look up Jake Arrieta's comments on that. Um, so and so for them to come out this deadline, be leading their division, and go acquire a guy who might just be damaged goods, who was good once upon a time, that's not an organization I trust to fix starting pitching. There's so many other starters they could have gotten out there and gotten. And I just think it says a lot that they were unwilling to deal from their massive farm system yet again. I'm just saying, I think they're going to get smoked in the playoffs, whoever they play. They don't have enough starting pitching. The bullpen's great. It's really, really good. It's kept them in games this year. And the offense is also great. But I think they're going to get smoked, and I think they're going to restart the cycle. I need to see a move that shows me that your organization is going to start trying before I get excited. Um, I'm happy for the Orioles fans. They've been bad for long enough that at the very minimum, I'm just happy that they're having a good season. But in terms of amounting to winning and winning it all and sustained success, this move reminds me of why they're the Orioles and that they're just never going to, you know, fully either go in or spend money, whatever way you want to phrase it. It's just, it's such an Orioles move, man. Yeah, I do like the upside with Jack Flaherty, kind of rolling sure. the dice on him. But it just seems like they're probably committed to building whatever core that they currently have, not deviating, not deviating away from it and just seeing what they have. Maybe they're kind of like the Oklahoma, Oklahoma, let me get this right, Oklahoma City Thunder, where they have all these prospects and young players. And you got to see which ones are good, which ones are going to be the building blocks. And then once you figure out, okay, that guy's good, but I don't see a future within our own team then we could trade those pieces off for other weaknesses on your roster so maybe we will see the Orioles start trading off some of those pieces mm-hmm. within the organization and in the next couple of years once those guys start to develop once you start getting those log jams with your position players and your pitchers and you say you know what that guy's a building block because of his talent because of his intangibles etc cetera, etc cetera. and then maybe they could start divvying up their roster that way because I do agree this Orioles team like the last couple of years we looked at it, it's like they just made they just got a little bit more aggressive at the deadline. They could have made some major noise um, once they got to the postseason. But I don't mind a team like that who's already one of the better teams in the American League, already has a pretty talented farm system. I don't mind them just going with an upside roll of the dice play, I guess. But eventually, like you say, I do want to see them get a little bit more aggressive and actually be all in, pot committed to try and win a World Series because Baltimore is not a small market team and they have a very rich history and people love playing in front of that fan base. One yeah. of the best Races in Major League Baseball, so Baltimore they used to spend. Yeah. They used to spend once upon a time. I don't know what happened. I mean, I know what happened, but you know, it's crazy. It just stopped. And the one time they did develop a pitcher like John Means, he immediately undergoes Tommy John surgery after like two seasons. So, sorry, oh, Orioles man. man, that one yeah. hurts a little bit. Uh, we're going to be doing our last. We got three more picks to do in this draft, Javier Reyes. But first, and then we'll just add the little insert there. And then thank you, don't forget, to catch every D-backs and Padres pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks or Padres. Now back into the Locked on Diamondbacks, Locked on Padres crossover. We've been drafting the best trade deadline deals. Javier Reyes just took Jack Flaherty at number seven. Number eight for me, there's some interesting deals still on the board here. I got two in mind. Hopefully, I could get both of them with my last two picks, depending on what you do. I think I'm going to go in this direction. I think I'm going to take another AL East team. I actually don't know if they're ahead of the – let me check the standings real quick. Okay, they are second in the AL East. Just check the standings. The Tampa Bay Rays, they made a pretty interesting trade. They're a team that's always – front they're always pitcher heavy feels like the rays are built through starting pitching and they upgraded the rotation once again by going after aaron i don't even know how to pronounce his last name savali saval how do you say his last name do you know javi savali 
I think it's I think it's Savali. Yeah, I think so. Savali. Yeah. Well, I could Howard be wrong. Was... I don't watch a lot of Cleveland. <laughs> me, me either. Um, but he's a really good pitcher, even though we, neither of us watch him a lot. Um, this is someone that has a sub 2.5 year. He's been really good. A career 377 guy. He's probably not a frontline rotation guy. But when you think about mm. rotational depth, like a team like the D-backs desperately needed it. A guy like Aaron Savali was mm. on the market and i think a lot of teams could have used this guy we've seen teams like the phillies go after michael lorenzen but this guy's having a really fantastic season i'm surprised to see not more teams go after him and then a team like the tampa bay rays who are already rich in starting pitching with the mcclanahan the glass nows a guy like zach efflin is having a really good season as well now you add an aaron savali maybe they don't have the sexiest rotation in terms of name value but you look at statistically mm-hmm. you just go to baseball reference and put your hand on the left side where it says names just cover that just look at stats you're like dang this dude is good that dude is good that dude is good it feels like they have three to four dudes in that rotation that could go out there gives you six innings with two earned runs or less so i really like that move for tampa bay just to clean up that rotation just take aaron savali off the, sometimes the best move you could do is just take another player off the trade market to make sure a competitor doesn't acquire him yeah absolutely aaron savali i think what happened with why myself uh, and some others maybe forgot about him is because he's one of those guys that everyone's had on their fantasy yeah. team before at yeah. least once, um, especially the last few years where everyone's been waiting for him to put it together. And, you know, he sort of did that before sort of did it in 2019. Like he's had his moments, but like last year was disastrous for him. Like every single time you thought he was going to finally come through, he didn't. So maybe that's why you forgot. But like you said, um, good ERA, um, not necessarily a super strikeout guy. He's never no. been a super strikeout guy whatsoever but you know doesn't walk that many batters and i think that that's what helped him out this year 5.6 percent walk rate um or i'm sorry not a 5.6 percent walk rate i was looking at his uh it, it is low though his home run fly ball so hopefully that doesn't mean that he's been getting a little bit lucky but nonetheless uh solid move for the rays wish that they did a little bit more they're really good and they could probably win that division but it's the rays and you know, I, I already went on my tangent about the Orioles. The Rays can also be guilty of that. So we'll see how it pans out. But just in a vacuum, uh, good trade. Yeah, the Rays are probably like the number one team that I want to see spend money because I don't think I've ever seen it done in the history of my lifetime watching baseball. Like the Rays are a team where it's like every year yeah. they have this pieces and they it's have like, this core. And it's like just add one or two superstars and then you're done. You're cooked. Yeah. I don't know why they don't do it. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Um, I just took some Longoria might be the only one that I think they've ever paid. Yeah. Back in the day. That's a franchise star. Like you got to pay a guy like that. If he leaves in free agency yeah. for nothing, like that's something your fan base is not going to get behind. But last pick of the right. draft for Javier Reyes. How are you going to round us out today? Ooh, last pick. I thought I had a couple more. My bad. Um, oof. Well, if you want to go more, uh, this, I, 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 I want to go. Pick. This is my ninth pick. You said, yeah, this is the overall ninth pick in the draft. So if you want to do more. Oh, picks, the overall yeah. ninth pick? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, do I do it? Do I go? It's I'm a Padres host. I got to go with it. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm bringing up my meme pick in just a second. Uh, with the Padres, it's half meme and half serious. Uh, and that is the Padres acquiring Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. Hey. That's what I'm going with. Uh, oh. Both of them at the same time. The one deal. They give up Jackson Wolf or who the did they give up? I think it was Jackson Wolf for this one. Um, on the surface, there was no individual move that's all that thrilling for the Padres. But I think that what people have to understand is that they already have all the top line talent. They just need to play better around the edges. And I think that's what they did. 
and they acquired Rich Hill is the one that people are like, why does he matter? I think he's just a spot start guy. He's going to come up with Michael Waka still hurt. Still got Pac-Man hanging out here, of course. Um, with him still hurt, maybe he gets like a back-end start or something like that. Maybe piggybacks off to another one of their you know, players. Maybe piggybacks off Nick Martinez, who just started um, in a game for them and actually did quite well. So maybe that's what they'll do and demote someone else or whatever. Maybe they intentionally flirt with him in the bullpen. But more importantly, G-Man Choi, very, very good against right-handed pitching. And that's what they need. Um, I can't draft the other part of this deal. It's one of those things where the double-edged like sword where like this this draft selection makes more sense when you take into account what they also did. Because G-Man Choi, not having a big year this year, but he's also been hurt, so that's why, but kills righties. They end up doing another trade after with for Garrett Cooper of the Marlins, who kills lefties. So that's why I think the Padres had a good deadline where it's like, you already have the stars. If they're going to play, that's all they have to do, play the back of your baseball card, and you could potentially make a run. We just shirt up the edge. Platoon with guys who can hit lefties or righties every day. They've been trotting out Matt Carpenter like all year, right? Uh, like he's hitting 160. He stinks. He's been really, really bad. And then the last reason is G-Man Choi and Hassan Kim on the same team. Mm. Immaculate vibes. They did a cute little smile the other day uh, in the Rockies game when they saw the camera. Oh. I mean, come on. How can you not love that? How can you not love that? I mean, wow. it's, just, it's, it's just great stuff. So uh, I'm taking that with my last pick. That's so adorable javi i love that for you my favorite trend when we do these podcasts is you just conceding the draft with your very last pick every week because you do it every week every week it's just like i'm gonna do my fun pick now with my last pick and then millard has to come in and take the draft serious again because millard always wants to win because with my final pick because listen i was like rich hill g-man Troy, okay padres i guess it uh-huh, shows up uh-huh. you have five all-stars in your rotation what is rich hill showing up out here maybe mm-hmm. you don't pay darvish walker's hurt that's what I'm saying. Walker's yeah. hurt. Walker's been nasty too. Walker's back. Walker's about to get back. Walker's a freak all of a sudden. I don't know what happened to that guy. He went to Siberia <laughs> or something, came back. He's nasty again. Um, I like seeing him. I got him on like every fantasy team. He's been good this year. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a nice move. G Man Troy. Like, I love the, the vibes you brought in. Like you said, G Man Troy, always fun, always cracking a smile. I could always see him on some the splits. The splits at first base. Remember oh. that? Oh, it was so good. Oh, my God. Flexibility. You got flexible G-Man Troy, and then you probably got the least flexible guy in baseball with Rich Hill because he's a geriatric <laughs> patient. So I doubt he can even bend over and tie his shoes anymore. So that's a oh, interesting man. pick there. But let me get back on topic here. Let me round out the draft for my final pick because after Javi made that pick, there's so many good options still on the oh, board yeah. here. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of good <laughs> yeah. ones, yeah. We're definitely going to have to do a couple honorable mentions just so people don't get mad at us when they're like, oh, my God, that's the top 10 deals, you think? Um, I think <laughs> I'm going to round out this draft with, I think, arguably the best position player um, traded. I think we may arguably the best position player, Jeremiah Candelario to the Chicago Cubs. I know I butcher his name every time. I don't know how to pronounce it. Jeremiah Candelario. But yeah, the Cubs Heimer. are... Yeah. Heimer? Okay, yeah. I'm going to call him Jimer for like three weeks now. I probably sound like a dummy on the live. <laughs> oh, <podcast>. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this Chicago Cubs team, they're a team that's always looking for more offense. They're a team that's always kind of struggled in that area. They've had some players actually perform a little bit more. Um uh, in their lineup 
as as opposed to previous seasons. I actually have a couple dudes uh, having some resurgent seasons, you could say, like the Cody Bellinger, who's all the way back. Thank as you. Well. Thank you. Yeah, man, Belly Belly's about to get. He's another one. He's about to get a bag too. Belly's about to get like twenty <laughs> million a year. He looks. He might have like. He, he might be on pace for like a career season. Actually, like some of the numbers. He is back. He yeah, is like, back. <laughs> like the numbers are actually like. Online or like on par, or better than some some of the best statistical seasons he's ever had. So Belly's definitely back. The Chicago Cubs team—they're one of the hottest teams post All Star break. They're back in the wild card mix. They're like three games back. Again, Candelario, third baseman, position player, having a really solid season. Really good power output player. Doesn't it's it just a solid major leaguer? Um, that's not going to hurt you. So I think it's a very strong move by the Chicago Cubs to get arguably the best position player. On the market, probably after Tommy Pham, though, as we discussed earlier. Javier, how do you feel about our draft today? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Of course, the shot at the end is a staple of our uh, <laughs> yeah. weekly uh, crossover here. Um, but I think we did pretty good. Um, I think that it was, I think we did also pretty good considering that the deadline wasn't exactly a, a thrilling one. Um, I don't think last year's was either in the total sum but we did have the soto bomb which kind of yeah. is just all we all talked about for like a week that's not me being biased it's just true and then the year before yeah, was the was the obscene yeah. obscene like rizzo and um sure uh, trevor story not getting moved somehow max scherzer trey turner i mean it was uh um, kyle schwarber javi baez like it, it was like 27 different players moving around at the line that was the wildest one was fun, i think yeah. we've had so uh, that was awesome. I remember everybody being excited except for me um, after that. But yeah, Barrio's getting traded. It's just wild, wild stuff. Um, so yeah, man, I think we did pretty good. You want to talk about some honorable mentions? Yeah, just to rattle off a couple ones. Maybe we could go back and forth here. Uh, some honorable mentions that I had on my list. Like I really did like the Angels uh, trade deadline. They also got CJ Cron and Randall Gritchick in another deal. Like I'm, I'm just in on the Angels saying screw what everyone's saying and just doubling down on this season and say, you know what, we're not going to just let the greatest baseball player ever walk out the door. I appreciate, like we just said with the Orioles and Rays, right? Like make all in moves, actually try to build a contender. And all it took was the greatest player ever threatening to leave for the biggest contract we've ever seen for the Angels to finally get serious about building a contender. I don't care why they're doing it. At least they're finally doing it. So I do love that move for the. Angels. Angels, any other honorable mentions you got? I got a couple more I can mention. Yeah, I mean, look, the Dodgers acquiring Lance Lynn. He's been bad this year, but he does yeah. get a lot of strikeouts, and it's going to surprise approximately zero people if they're able to kind of, quote-unquote, fix him and return him to his form, at least for the rest of this year. You have that. You have Jordan Hicks going to the Blue Jays, which was pretty cool. You have, um, what was the other the other one? And the, I don't think we actually, we, we talked about it, but we didn't draft it. Um, the Rangers getting Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. Oh Jordan my Montgomery, God. pretty solid player. Yeah, right? Crazy, <laughs> right? We just totally forgot about that. Oopsie. But the last one I want to mention is what I was going to take with my last pick if I decided to go the meme route. And that is the Yankees getting Kenyon Middleton. And the reason okay. why is because I think it's so funny that the Yankees are at a position where the only thing they did at the deadline was acquire a reliever who I think is really talented. His strikeout rate is awesome. But like they already have the best bullpen in baseball. And it just shows you how like in a bad spot there. So if you're a Mets fan, don't get me wrong. You've been living through absolute travesty this year. But at least you got stuff back. The Yankees, it's like, I just think it's funny because it represents where they are. And again, I maybe uh, the team that keeps pretending that it's better than everybody else, 
um, with every single thing that they've done, even though they've only been won one World Series over the past 23 years now, and their arch rival has won a lot more, and their ownership doesn't actually care about winning anymore. Uh, but don't worry, you guys got uh, Kenny Middleton. So congratulations on that. I'm rooting for Middleton because I know the Yankees fans will try to assassinate him if he's not good after one start or I guess one appearance since he's a reliever. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was really funny. I know, I don't know if you've seen the video of Brian Cashman getting into a sleeping bag, um, like outside the stadium or whatever people posting that is so, so funny. Every time the, the Yankees don't do a lot, they're like, here's what Brian Cashman's doing. Just going to sleep. Uh, I love it. And I think that at some point, um, I, I just think that guys, the, the Yankees don't care. Their ownership does not care about um, winning. It does not. George Steinbrenner cared quite a lot. Um, cared a lot about money too. But Hal Steinbrenner, I don't care if he called up Aaron Judge. I've said for a while, <clears throat> conspiracy Javi making an appearance. Oh, I think that I think he. Ab- yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he absolutely did call Aaron Judge. I just think that he, they really wanted to get that out there to kind of stop the we don't care allegations like look our owner called him up himself wow that's how i felt about that move because it just felt way too oddly timed with how much people were critiquing how steinbrenner for not extending judge in the first place so i think that's what happened they want to float that out so you know uh screw the yankees and i'm happy they're bad people give him credit owner calls up top prospect is that supposed to be breaking news for some people i feel like that's pretty normal stuff if that's that's the best thing you got as an owner i called up my best player uh maybe it's time to sell the team uh it felt like there was a little bit of like the camel's back breaking you know that final straw because it, it feels like yankees twitter uh just oh, yeah. i mean it feels like they've been against cashman and the boon for a while now but it feels like they were just yeah. done after this deadline and honestly if you want an audible for your last pick and put uh Kenyon middleton as your final selection i'm cool with it because i loved how when you went the reverse <laughs> trade draft last week and you took sunny gray i thought that was hilarious we were we were pro anti-yankees i don't know if that makes sense pro anti-yankees propaganda on this crossover yeah. uh mm-hmm. with of us because we both hate the Yankees. So I, I absolutely love it. Kenyon Middleton was on the D-backs last year. Did not do anything with the way he's doing right now. So funny to see that the Yankees, another trade deadline where they could have went out there and made some moves a couple games back of the wild card. They said, nah, we're good. We don't got Aaron Judge. It's just not going to yeah. be our team, I guess. Hey, and the reason they're not calling up free agents is just trust them, guys. It's not because they want to save money. No, no, no. It's not because of that. It's because they just really think their prospects are that good. Anthony Volpe is like 100 WRC plus or whatever the heck he has this year. Yeah, sure it is. Guys, stop letting teams convince you that it's they do care about their farm and that is important. But teams that keep doing it over and over, it's not that. It's because they don't want to spend. Stop letting them convince you of that. They are so grateful that the movie Moneyball exists to convince people and brainwash them into thinking that trying. And it's even working with the Yankees. Miller, I know some people who think that the Red Sox won the Mookie Betts trade. I know real-life human oh. beings who think that that was okay. Who? A friend of you mine. Know? His name's Colby. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he needs to be called out. <laughs> that's, that's a real opinion he has. That's, yeah, that's just like ridiculous. It's like, come on. That was a has salary had, dump. They're the Red Sox. Like, they're doing uh, salary dumps. When was the last mental evaluation he's gone through? It sounds like Colby. <laughs> yeah, that, that I don't know, but I'll have to ask him after this. He needs a quick CT scan. Just check out that brain real quick. Because, buddy, <laughs> you did not win. Mookie Betts is still an MVP candidate. Um, he's terrible. still. <laughs> still an MVP candidate. I like Rodugo, but Mookie Betts is that dude, man. Um, yeah. Man, another great crossover between Locked On Padres, Locked On Dimebacks. Just a quick 
quick, quick couple more honorable mentions because I don't want to forget these. David Robertson to the Marlins, I thought was huge. Jake Berger as well. Love what the Marlins did. Paul DeJong, I'm not a huge Paul DeJong guy. Go, good job by the Blue Jays, I guess. And Michael Lorenzen to the Phillies were probably the most notable moves mm. from this MLB trade deadline. That wraps up another crossover between the D-backs and Padres host. Javi, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you made it this far, thank you. Um, I hope people enjoy these podcasts. I know that yeah, we, we enjoy have. doing them. Um, even I know that they don't necessarily rack up the engagement as uh, some others do. But thank you for listening. And then at L underscore Padres, follow the YouTube. You know what to do. Um, yeah, and, and stay stay golden, everybody. I don't do these pods for the listeners. I do it for ourselves. I do it for you and I. Four for them, one for us. I have a lot more fun doing these when it's a nice little draft crossover. Perfect time, as always. Follow me at careerthomas24 for the personal account or look up Lockdown Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram. Of course, we'll be back again next week. Low engagement, another draft, laugh, fun, (laughs) as always. Javi Reyes of Lockdown Padres. Until next time, sir. Doses.